Okay, let's get started. Parshas Chayesara, Tavshin Ayin Zayin, the ninth uh, year we get to discuss this parsha, and just to start off with something from nine years ago. It is a thought that uh, some of us might not remember, but it is a worthwhile thought to review uh, from our first year, and that is a thought of the Ksava Kabbalah at the beginning of the parsha, and then we'll get into new if we uh, won't consider this first thought uh, the new. So we know the beginning of the parsha tells us uh, parsha's Chaye Sara, as has been pointed out by many, Chaye Sara is about the death of Sara, like Vayechi Yaakov is about the death of Yaakov, because Tzadikim and Tzidkanios live through their death. Vayiyu Chaye Sara, Mea Shana, Ve'esrim Shana, Ve'sheva Shanim, Chaye Sara, Sara's life is 127 years, Shnei Chaye Sara. These are the years of Sarah. Shnei Chaye Sarah, Rashi quotes, we'll get back to this a little bit later, also, Kulan Shavin Latova. They were all good. They were all complete. They were all successful. That's the extra phrase of Shnei Chaye Sarah. The years of Sarah were complete. But the, the Ksava Kabbalah of Mecklenburg in source number one has a deeper, an, an additional idea for Shnei Chaye Sarah. Totally different than uh, what Chazal say. And here it is where it's underlined, the end of line five. V'nira lisha yodienu bazeh ma'ala gedola v'niflal sarimenu. The Torah is telling us something unbelievable about Sarah. We're going to talk about Sarah. A number of the thoughts tonight are going to be about the uniqueness of Sarah. We speak so much last week about Avraham, about Yitzchak, the Akedah. So we're going to focus a little bit on Sarah, being that this is Parshas Chaye Sarah. Says the Ksava Kabbalah, this phrase of Shnei Chaye Sarah is alluding to us and telling us the godless of Sarah Imenu. Vizeh, and here it is. Ha'adam l'ma'alato al-kol ha'nivra'im. Man, human being, has something above all other creations. Mitzad ha-karvato mechomer ha-afar haruchani. We know man, unlike angels and unlike animals, is made up of two ingredients. We have an ashama and we have a guf. We have a physical element and we have a spiritual element. If we think about it, we, we eat, we drink, we're physical, but we're inspired. We can be inspired by something that we hear, that we see. Animals aren't inspired. And angels don't have to eat. We are the only being in the entire universe that has this dichotomy, this, this double makeup, this synthesis. Yeshlo mala aleya mitzad hanagaso esatzmo. Kikol brue mata. Enam chayim rakhaye gashmi. All animals are only in the physical realm. And the spiritual, celestial beings, they're only spiritual. Angels. Even the sun and the moon and the stars are physical. They're in the physical realm. They're in a different realm if we would be, if we would make three levels. The Ramam writes in one place different levels. There are angels and then there are celestial beings. They're in the physical world and then people. But, uh, really, there's the spiritual and the physical world. But it's our goal and our job in life to live a broad, integrated life. That is what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants from us. Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to reject either or go to either extreme. He already has the extremes. Right? Like the... The Kutzker, Anshay Kodesh the only. I don't need angels. I need holy men, not holy angels. Right? I have enough angels. 
But that's why I created you. This is your purpose. I need you, says Hashem, to focus on your physical. You're eating, drinking, sleeping. Think about how many mitzvos we have related to being human beings. Right? The only bracha that is a mitzvah to Orisa, the only one, Maybe Berchaz Torah, but the only one that is for sure agreed upon is the Pasuk in Chumash Pefeir, according to everybody, is after eating. The bracha that we say has to do with our physical nature. Right? How many mitzvahs are there in terms of business? Right? Being honest. How many mitzvahs are there in terms of being physical? There are so many. Hashem wants us to uplift it. And they become spiritual, just like the purely spiritual activities that we are involved in. And this double life, not in the double life, there's a famous comment of Rav Hutner, where double life is, he means as a negative, double life, people live one way at home and one way, one way, uh, uh, outside the home, we're not using it in that sense, but a double life, the spiritual and the physical, that is specifically tailored to us, because we are the chosen creation. There has to be a connect, not a disconnect between the two halves of our life. We have to make sure that they're connected. We can't be one way in shul and one way in the kitchen. There has to be a connection. We have to take what we learn about in shul and in the base medrash and take that into the kitchen. And we have to act like physical people in an appropriate way, skipping down, and only if we connect the two, then we are fulfilling the goal of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in mind for us. Skip down to line 20. As has been pointed out, the Christians and the pagans are opposites in this regard, two extremes. The, Christ, the holiest Christian figure is not allowed to be involved in the physical too much and he can't get married and he's supposed to limit eating and and the drinking and and sleeping and spiritual and the other extreme that various uh, nations throughout history have been involved in are you know celebrate the physical celebrate the physical that's what Yavin was about right Yavin was about right was the source for gymnasium the source for celebrating the human body celebrating the body. So you could celebrate Ruchnis, you celebrate Gashmias. We celebrate the duality. We celebrate that we have both. And that's why, even before reading the next line, that's why the ultimate Tumah is a dead body, is a corpse. Because that's only half a human being. That's where the guf is left and the neshama is not there anymore. That creates Tumah. Where there was supposed to be a double and it's not there. A person who does not focus on both parts of his life. You only focus on the bottom part, on the lower part. He's no greater than an animal. He's no greater than a behemoth. Remember a couple of, weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we had the unbelievable thought from Rabbi Schwab, where he says, that's what's described in Parshas Bracious. Hashem breathed life into our nose. 
Ruach Nefesh Ba'apo. But if it stays in our nose, if our neshama stays in our nose, and we're just using our neshama for breathing, then we're no different than animals. We have to infuse our entire body, all of our physical activities with Ruchnius. And that's the deeper understanding of the last phrase. Shnei Chayei Sarah, the two lives of Sarah. Not just Snechay Sarah, the years of Sarah, says the Ksava Kabbalah, unbelievably creative. Vizeo Shida Tarah Sari Menu. She put it all together. Shebachal Meshach Zmana Midasa Be'eretz Hadashama Halazu. Aisachayai Chaim Kfulim Haniskarim. And that Snechay Sarah, which he says in Yiddish, like he does often. Ulfiza Mila Shnei, He Shem, Sham Lumisparazugi. Right, unlike that we most, we understand it, chazal, shnei from the word shana, shnei meaning two. That she has both, and that's our goal in life, to put together our ruchnius and our gashmius and come up with one unique balance. Okay, Sarah Imenu, first thought, as we mentioned, there's going to be a couple of thoughts related to Sarah. Some very, hopefully, interesting and new ideas that we're going to have over the coming moments. So let's go to the next Pasuk. The next Pasuk, something that we haven't touched on. Sarah dies in Kiryas Abba in Hebron in Eretz Canaan. Vayavo Avraham was polis Sarah And Avram comes to be masked her and to cry for her. And much has been said, and we have discussed in the past, why is the Hespid before the Bechi? Don't you cry first? That's your reaction. And then your maspid. Why is there a small cuff full of kosa? So that has been touched on in the past. But we're going to focus tonight on the first word in the phrase. Avram came. Where did he come from? Where was he? Vayavo Avram. Avram comes to be maspid her. Where was he? So if we look in um, Onkelis, Onkelis just says, Vaaso Avraham. Again, doesn't help us. Where did he come from? Av- so Rashi, Vayabo Avraham, mi Beersheva. Avram came from Beersheva, says Rashi, which is interesting. We'll have to get back to this. Uh, Rashi elsewhere, remember the long Rashi in last week's Parsha about Yamim Rabim, he works out all the years in Beersheva, all the years in Hebron. Rashi said they lived in Hebron. According to that Rashi, 12 years before the Akedah, they came to Hebron. So according to Rashi, they lived in Hebron, so what was he doing in Beersheva? Okay, but we're going to focus on the other day where the major says it came to Beersheva, sounds like, okay, they were living in Beersheva. But then the question is, so what was Sarah doing in Hebron? Avram came, Pasha Zarashi, Avram came from Beersheva. Sarah died in Hebron. Why weren't they together? What happened? Why does Rashi say, me Beersheva? That's the last place we know Avram was. Right? According to Rashi, they lived in Hebron. He went to do the Akedah. What did we read at the end of last week's parsha? Where did Avram go after the Akedah? He went to Beersheva. And now, they had lived in Hebron. That's where Sarah was. So according to that shot, you don't have to explain why Sarah died in Hebron, because that's where they lived. Why did Avram go to Beersheva after the Akedah? So that's what it talks about in end of last week's parsha. After the Akedah, the Pasuk says, Vayashav Avram al-Nara, that's at the end of last week's parsha, and Rashi says, "Lo yeshiva mamish shahari He really lived in Chevron. Rashi, they live there. Aye, why they go to Beersheva? Okay, kasha. Maybe there's shvua, something to do with Avi Melech, but they lived in Chevron. So according to Rashi, we don't have to explain why Sarah died in Chevron, but because that's where they lived. But other mafarshim. 
understand that they lived in Beersheva. And if they lived in Beersheva, so how did Sarah die in Hebron? What was she there for? So a couple of interesting suggestions you have in front of you. We have together three or four ideas. First from the Nitziv. We'll go backwards in Achron and then we'll go back to Arishon. Says the Hamakdavar, source number two. Hashem had it that Sarah needed to die in Hebron. Even though, right, as he's following Rashi, even though, uh, I'm sorry, not following Rashi, following the simple interpretation of the measures that they lived in Beersheba. He quotes in brackets, even though Rashi himself holds that they lived in Hebron already. But let's say the simple interpretation, you read the Torah, Beersheba, Beersheba, and she somehow got to Hebron. Okay, that's Rashi. But if we continue down a couple of lines, Aval Sarah, line 14, Mesa Be'ezasiba Mimesabev Hasibos. Sarah died because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Mesabev Hasibos, the one who comes up with reasons, the one who causes, causes. Mesabev Hasibos Bechevron. Why? Kasher Shama Midvar Ha'akeda. When she heard about the Akeda, Holcha Acharei Avraham B'Yitzchak Chayerucha. She went to follow them, says the Nitziv. She went to try to catch up to them. Right? Going for Beersheba, going north. She goes to Hebron. She didn't make it. She didn't make it all the way. Why did Afka die there? Kodesh Baruch Hu needed her to die in Hebron. Remember? Adam and Chava were already buried there. Kodesh Baruch Hu had, in his infinite wisdom, decided this is the spot for the great eight pairs to be buried. So, the Tamsi Bazume Hashemu, Kasher Haisab, Kiryas Arba. The Alkarcha, Humishum Adrasha, Shamruin, the cover above Avosa Olam, Adam Arishon, Hayarishon, the Kurasham, the Ishlo Yadami Zed. Did Avraham know that Adam and Chava were already buried there before Sarah died? Unclear. We just know after Sarah died, he's burying her there. In Hebron. Kodesh Baruch Hu worked it out. According to the Nesiv, she happened to be in Hebron. She happened to die there because she was on her way to follow them after the Akedah. Number one. Number two, suggest the Chizkuni. One of the Rishonim. Source three. Chizkuni says, Why curious Arba? Al Shem. Again, all the, all the Mepharshim are struggling with this. Sheshol Chasham Avraham Kisharatza Laleches Lahar HaMoria Shalotargish Ba'akedah. Avraham didn't want Sarah to be in the house the morning he left with the wood and the knife and his son. Honey, why don't you go to Hebron a little bit? There's, there's, there's wonderful things to see there. You know, you'll enjoy it. Take some time. Take some time with you and your friends. And he sent her out. Shahari Beersheva, Hayomi, they lived in Beersheva. So you go there. I, I got a, I got a little bit of, uh, business to take care of. Or, Vyeshomrim, the Chizkuni says, Kishachalsa, Holichashami Beersheva, Mishim de Bechevron, Basim Avira. She was sick. Was she sick from the Akedah? Either way, she went to Hebron. There's great air in Hebron, says the Chizkuni. 900 years ago. The air is great in Hebron. She went there to feel good. And when she heard about the Akedah, that was it. One final idea. One final creative idea that the Torah Shlemer of Kasher quotes from Shamati. One that he heard in source number four. Kishabah Satan Va'amar Lahechan Yitzchak. The Satan, we'll see the full story soon. Where's Yitzchak? Amar Aviv Lalamdo Maisa Karban. 
So what did, assuming that she was still in the house, you know, what did Avram tell Sarah that, you know, about what was going on? I'm going to teach him how to give a carbon. That's why I have wood and a knife. I'm going to teach him. Amarle says to Satan, who a carbon? No, he's the carbon. Lo lo. She didn't believe him. She knew she couldn't catch up. She knew they were far away. What'd she do? She went to the giants. Why? You're really tall. Can you let me know what you see up there in the north? She went to the land of the giants. Because they could see very far. Tell me what you see. Do you see an old man walking with a couple of kids? Amrulo, anuroim zaken echad, okayd bachur echad, vahasakin biadel. One child tied down with a knife. Miad mesa. But why'd she go to Hebron? Because they were really tall. She went to use the giants in order to be able to see because she knew she couldn't catch up. Amazing. Different details of the idea of why she happened to be in Hebron. Remember, according to Rashi, you don't need any of these answers. You have to explain last week's parsha why Avram, what was Avram doing in Beersheba? But why was she in Hebron? Because that's where they lived. But the other approaches here are to explain Hebron. The Nitziv, the Chizkuni, and the Torah Shlema. Okay, so now let's focus on the source of her death. Source of her death, Chayi Sarah, and that the source that Rashi quotes. Interesting, just to note, Rashi notes he came from Beersheba, and right after that, Rashi quotes what caused her to die. And he, she, he, Rashi quotes part of the Pirkei Derbalazar, which we will read in full now. Source number five. Pirkei Derbalazar, a very early medrash. When Avram came for Haramaria, Chara Aposhel Samael. The Satan was really upset. He was really upset because you know what? This Akeda is going to be a zechus for Klai Yisrael for eternity. Satan had a really bad day. Remember the other Midrashim, how the Satan tried to prevent Avraham from doing the Akedah? Right? One of the Midrashim, he tried to dress up like a fire. He tried to dress up like a huge ocean, which Avraham went through. And that's one of the reasons we do Tashlich and Rosh Hashanah, because to remember the Zchus of the Akedah, and Avraham went through the water. So anyway, the Satan lost. Avraham did it. So he's had a really bad day. He was very angry. He saw he was not successful to be mevatel the carbon. So Maasa, he doesn't give up. That's the first message from the Pirkei Debalazar. The Yitzhahara, the Satan, the Malcham who he doesn't give up. So we can't give up either. He doesn't give up, he has a job to do. Halach He's like, okay. He goes to Sarah. Hey, Sarah, lo shamata mashanasa ba'ola. You didn't hear the news? You didn't read the papers. Amr Lola, I, I didn't check my email yet. Amr Lola, no. Amr Lola, he says, let me tell you. Your husband took Yitzchak and was makrev him as an Ola. Keep in mind that Avram had another son. There's already been a little uncomfortableness, let's call it, between Avraham and Sarah and Hagar and Yishmael. Remember, Avraham had strong feelings for Yishmael that Sarah really didn't share. This is all in her mind as well. 
when the Satan is coming with this conversation. So you know what he did? He was Makrivlaola. Vahanar Bochumialel. And he was crying. And he was wailing, making it graphic, painful. Shaloyachali Natsel. And he was probably yelling, Ima, Ima, save me! The Satan was saying. She couldn't handle it. She started crying and wailing. And she dies. We mentioned in previous years that Rav Kasher is of the opinion, he quotes in a footnote, which I didn't give it to you, that the whole Yerushalmi, that Tosas quotes at the end of Rosh Hashanah, that the hundred cries on Rosh Hashanah, the hundred kolos are Keneged, the mother of Sisra, Aim Sisra, and she cried a hundred kolos. That's why we have a thousand pshatim. Why do we care about the mother of Sisra? You know, on Rosh Hashanah, he assumes it's a misprint. He thinks it's based on this Pirkei de Belazar. It should say, Ime Sarah. Sarah cried about the Akedah. And it's the same Lashonos. Shalosh Tekios, Shalosh Yavavos. Those are Lashonos of Tekiah Shofar on Rosh Hashanah. That we did that a number of years ago. We mentioned that. But either way, she dies. Ba Avram Avinu Avram comes and finds that she died. Which also connects to something we mentioned last week. According to some, that was the last test. That he didn't regret the Akeda after he saw what it cost. But we continue. First opinion is that he came from Harhamoria. That's another one. Did he come from Beersheba? That's what Rashi says. Did he come from Harhamoria is the other shot. He came from the Akeda. This is not really our issue now, but once the Pirkei of was open, I couldn't not just give you the rest of it. This is not related to the thought, though, but we'll just read it now that it's open. One of the mysteries is where's Yitzchak? Where's Yitzchak by his mother's Leviah? Where's Yitzchak in the whole story of finding a wife for him? Yitzchak disappeared. He does not appear again until Ber Lachai Rui at the end of the parsha. What happened to him? So one measure says he went to Shem Be'ever. You know what the Prekid Rebelezer says? He was broken. He was broken. He probably didn't go out of wherever he was. He mourned for three years. He couldn't get over losing his mother. He mourned until Rivka came along. The love is to a mother, and then the love goes to a to a wife. Okay, and then it continues just at the end of it. It's another just interesting detail, not for now, but it says that when they couldn't have a child, Rivka and Yitzchak. He went back to Har HaMoriah to Davin. Lakcha Yitzchak v'halach yima l'har HaMoriah l'makom sh'ne'akad sh'am v'hispalel al-hirayom v'ne'atarlo. There's an interesting detail to remember for the beginning of next week's parsha that they went back to the Makom HaAkedah to Davin. Okay, but either way, we have Sarah Imenu based on the Akedah, the beginning of our parsha. She is shocked and she dies. The question that we're going to ask is what's the message of her death? We know what the message was last week of Avraham and Yitzchak and the almost death of Yitzchak Avinu. But what can we learn from Misa Sarah? What can we learn from her legacy, the first Ima? So two thought-provoking, intense thoughts. The second one is a little more intense than the first, but two thoughts from the contemporary contemporary Akron. And the first is from Hegyona Shotora, Rebben Sion Fierer. Sion Fierer was uh, a Nitzol, right? He was in Siberia during the war. 
he was the Rav of Nir Galim for 32 years. And he wrote 34 Svarim. One of the sets is Hagyona Shaltora, a very prolific writer. Uh, he was Nifter um, not a couple of decades ago. Says Rabbi Zion Fierer. Let's ask a question first before we get into the message. We focused before on the phrase, Shnei Chayei Sarah. In the end of the Parsha, we have a similar accounting when Avraham dies. When Avraham dies, it also says it goes through his years. Right? It goes through Avraham dies. There's no Shnechaye Avraham there. There's no Kulan Shavin Latova by Avraham. Why is that? Why do we only have that by Sarah and not by Avraham? We have the separate lists of numbers, but why is there no Shnei Chaye Avraham like there is Shnei Chaye Sarah? There is no parallel. Also, second question, he asks, which he will answer, the Torah emphasizes how Avraham gave a hespit for Sarah. We don't have it by Yaakov and Rachel. Yaakov buries Rachel. Doesn't say that he was masped her. Doesn't say that he, he publicly, you know, acknowledged her, 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 everything she accomplished. Why is there a difference? Why does Avraham a masped and he doesn't have and Sarah does? So let's read his words. Says that Yonashal Torah on line seven. Ha'im ha'isa Sarah p'chusa b'inyin zeh me'avraham v'lo amda b'nisayon shu kein amad bo. How are we supposed to understand what happened to Sarah? Is it a chisaron? Is it a, is it a lack? Did she not pass a certain test? Avram could handle it, but Sarah couldn't handle it. Sarah couldn't handle it. Right? They, they, um, you know, it was too much. Lo, chas v'shalom. Ein lahasik maskana kazos men ha'uvda sheparcha nishmasa al yedei besoros ha'keda. Right? We can't say that, oh, you know, she, she died and therefore she failed something. Because, says the Hegyona Shel Torah, there are two reasons why the test of Sarah was greater than the test of Avraham. And therefore, it couldn't be expected and it wouldn't be fair to compare Avraham's test and Sarah's test. Why? What are the two differences? Number one, Hashem was commanded Avraham on line 10. And remember the conversation? Rashi quoted it. Take your son. Oh, I have two sons. Your unique, special son. Oh, I have two special sons that you love. I love them both. Es Yitzchak. Sarah didn't have that. Sarah only had one son. Avram had a second Asking Avram to kill one of his sons is not the same as asking Sarah to sacrifice her only son. So you can't compare the two. Sarah's test and Avram's test. Her entire love. Her nisayon was greater than his. Number one. Number two. Interesting, before we get to number two. He says, I don't know, but it's an interesting comment to make. V'ulai line 20. 
Mishum kach lo nisnasa Avram b'nisayinu akeda al yedei Yishmael l'fnei shenola l'itzchak. Yes, there's a measure that Yitzchak and Yishmael were fighting, and Yitzchak said, oh, I already give, even give my life. But if you focus on Avraham, it was an Yisrael of Avraham, why does Shem wait to ask him to give his son when he already had another son? Maybe asking for an only son would be too much. Number one, why Sarah's is on a different level. Number two, Avram heard it straight. Avram was commanded by God. Hashem tells Avraham, do this. Sarah was not told. We mentioned last week also, Yitzchak was not told. That's why in a sense, Yitzchak was on a, it was a deeper and harder for him. Even if it's hard. Sarah didn't hear anything. She heard it in the game of telephone. She heard it third hand. What, what, what did it sound like? And even though she understood that Avra must have only done it because the Kaddish commanded, therefore, it's not the same. It's still not the same. So Sarah's test was on, is in a, was in a different realm, even than Avraham. So it's not fair to compare them. And maybe it was superhuman to expect Sarah to live through such a such an event. But just to emphasize that there was no chisaron about Sarah. By the fact that she died, Avram gave her a hespid and the Torah gave her a hespid. Shnei chaye Sarah. The Torah goes out of its way, which the, the Torah did not do by Avram Avinu. Because there was no, nothing that we would have thought otherwise by Avram. Sarah died. Oh, Sarah died? Av, Av, is she less than Avraham? No. Shnei chaye Sarah. She's no worse. V'lama yatza, sorry, Michal, kol tzadikim on the bottom. Only there. V'afa pishagam etzel Avram, nech tevashana kol klav aklau, enetz lo remez. Next column, shekulun shavin latova. Because Sarah needs it. Ella, line seven. Lagabi Sarah, yochol hatoelit os. One might make a mistake. Velo marshahilo amda, baoso nisayon, shehu Avraham amad bo. Right? Her, not shama parachanishvasa. Einza choser amuna. It's not a lack. And maybe, maybe, he says, that's why Avram needed to be masped her. Everybody heard about the Akedah. Did you hear the news? Oh, Sarah couldn't handle it. I'm so sorry. It's, don't talk about my Sarah that way. She's higher than me. Right? She's greater than me, says Avraham Avinu. Because there wasn't a need to be motzi Either way, the death of Sarah does not reflect anything negative about Sarah as compared to Avraham Avin. Number one. But then there's a second idea. Second idea that's mentioned by Rav Rivlin in his Sefer on, on Bracious. Again, it's a, it's a, the way he formulates it is a very intense formulation, but again, it could be expanded upon to an idea that many Mepharshim talk about in a larger context. We could even see from the title of his Ma'amar, Akedah Sarah. Akedah Sarah. 
And he talks about, at the beginning, as we mentioned earlier, Two parshios and brashas talk about life in their titles. And they both talk about death. Because as we know, they live through their death. But then, says, Rev Rivlin, Hashem tested Avraham who stayed alive. Yitzchak ne'akad, aval gam hu nishar b'chayim. V'hayechida she'shavcha chayim v'meisa, lo kimat v'lo ki'ilu, it's not ki'ilu, as if, ela shilma b'chayeha al ha'akeda u'svacheha, hi'achas v'yechida she'enu muzkeres klal b'parshas ha'akeda. You know who paid the price of the akeda? Someone who's not even mentioned in the story of the akeda. And that, of course, is Sarah Imenu. She is the real carbon here. She is the real Ola Tamima. As he says in the next page, Betchilas Parshasenu, next paragraph. The Medras Darshans. Kishem Shem Tamimim Kachno Sein Tamimos. Vechulu Mizbarer. Shakinui She Yuchad Yitzchak Shu Ola Tamima. He Tiuredi Greda. By Yitzchak, Ola Tamima is theoretical. Ha'ola Hatamimo Ha'amitis. Shehu Altal Mizbachan Isayon. She was perfect, and she was the one that gave her life. What's the message for us? So he writes, I skipped a page and a half in between before the next paragraph, but here he writes, The idea that I'm about to mention, to explain it, there has to be much zihirut, we have to be very careful how we formulate it. We can't consider that we understand it fully, but it seems to be a theme in certain times. I'll say it outside first in the more general terms, and then we'll see his words. And this is something that many Mepharshim explain. Before great lights, before tremendous geulos, it is always preceded by darkness, by gullus. Throughout history... Our great geulos are preceded by Gaulus. We couldn't have Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim without having Shibud Mitzrayim, which was terrible and painful and murderous. But that's what we needed. So many times. So the Bafarshim talk about the tragedies throughout history. Right? The Rahman al-Islam, the crusades that took place, laying the groundwork, and not laying the groundwork, just pre, or maybe it was, preceding the most powerful Pru-uruvu in the Torah sense of the word, um, time period in history, the time period of the Rishonim. There was no greater expansion of Torah learning, of development of Torah, right, than the Rishonim. Not in the time of the Gaonim. The Gaonim were amazing, but what we have from the Rishonim, they took the Gemara and they made it accessible. They organized it. They explained it. They took it to the next level, to the Rishonim, until you got to the Shulchan Aruch. But so many times in history, first there's darkness before there's a tremendous light. On a personal level, Avram Avinu was an Oved Avodah before he became Avram Avinu, before he recognized the great light. Sometimes, and this is where Rav Livlin comes in, sometimes there not only has to be a general darkness, but there has to be a darkness of even a Mesiris Nefesh in order to then have that great light. Why? We don't know. 
Maybe it's connected to Misas Tzadikim Mechaperes. The fact that when a tzaddik's life is taken, that's mechaper. We find in in uh, in navi sometimes, right? One person is connected. All the sanhedrin is taken. It's kilo. All the sanhedrin was taken, and that's the kapara for the am. Suggestor of Rivlin, maybe that's what happened with Sarah. When we're about to start the beginning of the process of the birth of the Jews, of the destiny of the world, Avram Yitzchak, the firstborn Jew, the first Jew. This is the darkness before the light that is starting right now, the Hashras Ashkina that Avram Avinu's life is building. Again, why Avraham? Why Sarah and not Avraham? That's, those, are, those are why questions which are beyond our understanding. But that's what he writes now with that background on line 20. If there's going to be a Hashras Ashkina in a unique way, a tremendous light... There has to be darkness and sometimes even And he gives three other examples of this. Now that the Shifteka were about to come onto the scene and be the basis for the next stage. First is the first Jew, then the Shvatim. And he quotes... Hashras Ashkina, what's the goal of Sefer Shmos? What does the Ramban write at the beginning of Sefer Shmos? Hashras Ashkina in the Mishkan. That's the goal of Sefer Shmos. That's why Pekude ends where it does. Sefer Shmos does not end with Parshas Yisro. It ends with Parshas Pekude. Hashras Ashkina, and what happens right before that? Nadav and Avihu. Yes, all the Pshatim of the Chataim. But maybe on another level, right? Bimakudashai, Bikrovaya Kadesh. Maybe that was needed on some metaphysical, metaphysical level. Again, one has to be careful how to formulate this. But let us try to understand it in terms of the more general darkness before light. Right? The Mepharshim even explained that a seed, when a seed is planted in the ground, first it disintegrates and becomes destroyed. And then it grows. Because that even in the physical world, we see destruction before binyan. And that he even quotes Uzzah, a very mysterious story, when David HaMelech is bringing the Aaron back to Yerushalayim. And the Psukim don't really describe the Aaron slips, and then Uzzah goes to catch it, and then Uzzah is killed, and then, and then on the way up to the Beis HaMikdash. So again we find tragedy, darkness before light. So suggests Rav Rivlin, maybe Akedah Sarah has to do with that. Again, Sarah lived her full life, 127 years. Why did Adafka happen now? Because this is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is about to be brought onto the scene. Avram and Sarah both brought him onto the scene. But now it is being deepened into the next generation. Yitzchak Avinu and Yaakov Avinu. So that's his suggestion. Again, along these lines, the Nesiva Shalom, the Slanim Rebbe, has a whole kuntris about the Shoah called HaHarugim Alecha. And you have one paragraph there in source number 11 where he discusses in our generation, post-Holocaust, in our generation, there are more people learning Torah today than in the history of the world. That's a fact. There are more people, even if we think, Volusian, amazing, how, at the height of Volusian, how many people were learning? A couple hundred were learning there in Volusian. Now the, the, the large, large yeshivas have thousands 
of students? How many people were learning in Surah and Pumpadisa? How many people were being Shomri Torah mitzvos and, and, and learning every night? Just numbers. We live in a difficult time, but a great light. How many, how many generations people having the schus of living in Eretz Yisrael? To be able to make Aliyah for 2,000 years. Says the Nesiva Shalom, we can't fathom but we just see the reality, terrible, unfathomable, historical, without precedent, tragedy before this generation. The previous generation, there was no, no tragedy like it in history. Unprecedented. But what we do see afterwards is light. Same parallel idea. This is how Kaddish Baruch Hu runs the world. We don't ask why. This is the Mitzvah. This is the reality. And this could also maybe the message is for us to always realize that whenever there's darkness, there's Geula around the corner. The night of Tishabav is when Mashiach was born, as Chazal say. Let's read some of the words of the Nesiva Shalom. Right, what Sarah did for Avram's generation, we had six million Akedas, like Sarah. It could shed light on the reality of our generation. Who would ever imagine this? People learning. When was the last time there was such a Balchuva movement? In our generation, line 14, it's not this generation. It's b'schus the previous generation. B'schus those who gave. By their removal, they left Kedusha. And, and, and there's never been such darkness. So maybe, therefore, there's never been such light. This is leading to the ultimate the ultimate light. And he continues, again, we're not going to read all of it, but that's what he writes, the generation post the Chorban. Okay, again, that was an intense thought, but some thoughts are intense. Let's continue. Says, we spoke a lot about Sari Imeinu, let's move on. Perach Avdalet. Perach the quantity of this week's parsha is about Avram Avinu sending his servant to go find a wife. Perach Avdalad Pasuk Aleph, and then we'll talk about the actual story. The Avram Zakein Baba Yamim, Vashem Berech as Avram Bakol. Avram was old, Baba Yamim, and Hashem blessed him. Bakol, what is Bakol? Is it a daughter? Is it everything? He just lost his wife. What do you mean he was blessed Bakol? But not for now. There's an amazing Madrash. Says the Majrish quoted in the beginning of source number 12. Amr Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon. Tava, Avraham Tava Zikna. Avram was Toveya, old age. Avram wanted to get old. Amr Lefanav. Ribona Olamim. Adamu Beno Nechnasin Lamakom. Let's say, Hashem, me and Yitzchak, we go into a store. Ve'en Adam Yadiel, Amim Echabed. Nobody knows who to give honor to. Meaning, in those days... Avram Yitzchak, especially Yitzchak like Avram, they, they, they didn't get old. There was, no, there was no white hair. There was no aging. Somebody lived and then they died. 
Avram said it can't be. We both walk into the store. They don't know who to give cover to. Mitoch she'atam ma'atro b'zikna. But if you crown somebody, notice that word, ma'atro, if you crown somebody with old age, I shouldn't say old age, he was old. If you crown somebody with looking their age, probably a better translation, Adam then people will know who to give cover to. Hashem says you're right. Great idea, so I'll start with you. Zap. Nobody got old. Adam didn't get old. It says he lived a certain amount of years, then they died. Noach lived, then he died. That's what the Pazik says. Good. Medrash. Ask Rav Pincus. Amazing. So this is a Medrash that Avram asked to look old. Let's think about our generation for a minute, says Rapinkus. We will do anything we can not to look old. We will, people will go for surgeries and, and treatments and do everything. And Avram asks, I want to look old? The Shulchan Aruch says, a man can't pull out his white hair. It's, why would he want to pull out his white hair? I can't believe I'm getting white. Avram asked for it. And in our generation, we try to hide it. My wife recently showed me an article that, you know, someone pointed out that, how do you say an, an old age home, a retirement home in, in Hebrew? So the author was saying, well, originally it was called a Moshev's Ganem, but that became not politically correct. So they changed it to a Beit Avot. That also became not politically correct. Now it's called Bayit Gil Hazahav, right, the golden years. So soon that'll also get not politically correct. Because we're doing everything we can to hide the fact that that's the reality. You can't hide the reality. At some point, we have to face it. So the question is, so Avram didn't want to hide it. Avram asked for it. So what was he really asking for? What's the message of looking our age? What's the message? And it's not even, he says, you might think that maybe it's just on a practical level. Practically, you know, you don't want people to get mixed up with the son and the father. And just like, imagine if everybody in the family looked exactly the same. A little bit difficult. So he says, maybe it's Tzorach Shimushi, line 7. But it's clear, he writes, that it's not just on a practical level, because the Pasuk from Tehillim is related to it. Yaf Yafisa, it was made a song recently, Yaf Yafisa mi b'nei adam hutzachin b'sifsosecha. No maral Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was called beautiful. Shlo shehu ratzala harot zakan, ki zeshimushi elu ratzala harot yofi. Laharot zakan. Keter shel yofi. So what is it? So what is it? So explains Rav Pincus. We'll have two ideas. Number one is Rav Pincus. Explains Rav Pincus. We know as Jews, we live in three realms. We live in the Avar, Hov, and the Asid. Past, present, and future. Line 27. What do we think about when we look at our past? So there are those that might look at the past and say, Oh, it's gone, it's finished. What did I ever do? The present is fleeting. What, what, it's been rega, and the future is not there yet, and they might not take advantage. But that's not obviously how we look at it. That's not how we look at it. Obviously, we have to have dreams. 
Obviously, we need to focus on the future. But you know what? When a person gets older, it's important to be able for himself and for others, says Rapinkus, to be able to look back at a life of achievement. To look back and not to ever stop to build on what one has done, but to be proud and feel accomplished, knowing that every day I have to accomplish more and more. That's important for a person himself, but it's also even more important for others. For others, for the younger generation, to be able to look at the older generation as a dmut, as role models, that these are people who have accomplished things in life. If they look different, if they look like figures of authority, that's an easier message to get across. And therefore, says Rav Pincus, maybe that's the message. Because when one looks older, line um, on the top of the next page, this Jew is carrying with him a whole wheelbarrow full of zechuyos, of mitzvos. He doesn't quote it, but it's a beforeish pasik in Kohelas. Tov yom hamavas miyom hivaldo. Right, greater is the, the day of death than the day of birth. Why? The Medrash there in Kohelas gives a mashal. Right, the Medrash is, you know, when, when does somebody, when is there a big party? When the boat departs or when the boat returns? When the boat departs, you have no idea whether it's going to be a successful journey, whether they're going to get back safely, whether everything's going to be okay. When the boat comes back into the harbor, then there's a celebration. Because they've accomplished what they've done. Tov yom hamavis miyom ivaldo. What do Jews celebrate? We celebrate yard sites. We don't celebrate birthdays. Other countries and nations, they celebrate birthdays. We celebrate yard sites. Because a birthday, who knows what's going to be? A yard site celebrates a past, a life. And that's what Avram was asking for by Zikna. I need to teach this message to the younger generation. I need them to know that life is about accomplishment, and that's what the Pasuk says. Va'avram zakein babayamim. He came with his days, he came with accomplishments. He does note, just in the, in the end of it, he does note that, obviously, it does, this doesn't mean that Avram stopped. Avram focused on every second. Imagine, he says, the morning that Avram died, the morning of his yard site. He woke up in the morning. What if Hashem had told him, you know, in a couple of hours you have to live? What would Avram have done? Would he not have put on tefillin that day? Let's say, assuming he wore tefillin. Would he not have davin, shachris? He would just go about his business, as usual. Meaning, and still accomplish in the moment. He wouldn't look back and say, oh, what a life. I'm the first Jew. No, he would continue. But that's number one. If you look in the Lekak Tov, turning over, usually he almost always quotes people, but here he says from himself. Here are the following. He, though, quotes an additional medrash, which is somewhat um, parallel. Not parallel, but it's, uh, it, go, it complements our medrash. Look at the medrash he quotes in Source 15. Avram Tavazikna, Amr Lefanev, Ribona Shololam, Adam Ubrona Nechazam Lamakam Echad. I'm sorry, that's the one that we quoted before, but there's another language. He quotes, look on the line three, four, five, he quotes another medrash that not only was the gift that he became looking old, but Yitzchak became looking young. Because how were people born? 
Were people born as babies and they grew up? doesn't say that anywhere. Maybe people were born like old, mature. Who says they look like babies or like children and they grew up? Says the other Medrash that he quotes. He quotes that he had a party for Og, the Chalagdolimi Mohayasham, Amr la Og, Loita Omer Avram, Preda Karlo Molid, the Chulu, and he continues, and Madam Avaza Matanaso, where's the Lushan? And he quotes, Atira, Lonitna, Arisa, Tchila, Elababeso, Shal Avram Avinu. And the Matanas Kahuna on the Medrash explains line 10, She Yitzchak Avinu Nolad Katan, Avol Sharbane Adam, Hayugdolim, Lo Hutzrechul Arisa. The first crib in history was in Avram's house. Meaning, not only did Avram look older, Yitzchak looked younger. What's the message? Similar but a little different to what was said earlier. That it's important to have children and adults. They were born, they were big. Right? Like some animals. Some animals that are born, they're walking and like acting old like right away. They don't have to like go into it. Baby elephants or whatever they are. They're born and they walk. They're just small. But they're still mature. What's the message? Says the Lechach Tov, well, be medayik in the Medrash for a moment. Remember the first line of the first Medrash we quoted? Adam ubno. Father and son will walk into a place and nobody know who, who is who. Is who. Why Dafka is it father and son? What's the emphasis? Because the family structure is crucially important. Parents and children need to know who's the parent and who's the child. It's crucial for the child to see the parent as a a figure of authority, someone connecting to the first thought, who's been through life, who has life experiences, and someone who could guide them. And that's easier if they start out as children and their parents are already looking older and they grow into it. Imagine if one's father looked exactly like himself and his friends. A little harder to give covet. A little harder to, to show respect and see them as, as, as role models of authority. Second idea, says the Lechatov, but either way, nothing like our generation where we all do whatever we can to try to look young. Maybe now we'll accept what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us and take it as a take it as a gift. Okay, two final thoughts. Let's try to squeeze in. Number one, number one, the Maharal. Maharal will just say it outside. Source sixteen. He quotes the Medrash. Right. We know there are many many psukim that are used to describe the story of Eliezer and Avraham and and uh, Rivka. The Chulu the Chulu. Sixty seven psukim in this parak. The story is repeated twice. And all the, all the mafarshim. So, what do we need it for? And the Medrash even says, "Yafasi chasin shall avde beat bati avos bitarasin shall banim." Right? The Medrash quoted at the top. Says the Maharal in Gruas Hashem. Again, just to summarize it outside, gives a mashal. We're going to end with two mashalim tonight. Gives a mashal. Person has a seed. A farmer is going to put the seed in the ground. This seed is going to form seeds, huge forest, huge forest and orchards. If you ask the farmer, why don't you plant it here? Why don't you water it this way? I'm going to give all of my advice. The farmer says any tiny little action against, for, adding, taking away will affect the entire orchard. I think I'm just affecting a little seed now. What's the big deal? No, but this is the beginning. This is the seed 
of an unbelievable orchard that's going to be created here. You can't play around with the beginning. The be- that, that's when you ever you create anything, a machine, a little thing, the little computer chip, the tiny little thing, if that's messed up, the whole thing is messed up. This is the beginning of Am Yisrael. All these stories of Misa, Avos, Simon, Labanim. We ask the question, why there's so many psukim used for this story? And you learn out other halachas from a tiny little remez. The answer is, we don't know. We don't know ultimately what every detail. But Chas V'Shalom says the Maharal, can we say, oh, it's extra. Why is it repeated? It teaches us nothing. No, no, no. This is the beginning. And whether we understand it or not, it doesn't matter. We know it's the beginning. This is the Maisa Avos. In order to create a perfect Simon Labanim, the Maisa Avos has to be exactly thought out and followed through. Okay, let's just move on to the last thought. I wanted to end with a Dubna Magid. A Dubna Magid. Eliezer, Evan Avraham, when he gets there, when he gets to the well, he has a little prayer. And then he says by Ravi'i, Vayomer, Baruch Hashem Elokei Adoni Avraham. Baruch Hashem, Hashem, you help me out, you're awesome. Right, you led me. You're amazing, you're wonderful, thank you so much. Pashtus, the simple interpretation of this, why is he so excited and thanking? So he sees that Hashem, there was kvitsas haderech, he got there very quickly, and he's very excited about it. But says the Dubna Magen, maybe it's a little deeper. And he gives a marshal. That's why it's called the Dubna Magid. You can't have Dubna Magid without a Magid. Says the Dubna Magid in the Mishle Yaakov, which is his sefer, or the Mishalom of Yaakov, that was his name. He lived with the Gra in Vilna. Says the Dubna Magid, somebody's going on a journey, he gets a, he hires a wagon driver. Take me to a certain town, I got business to do. Fine. So he hires, when the wagon driver gets there, he had hired from a company, and the driver that he got was a deaf mute. Was a deaf mute. He calls up the wagon driver, the head of the company, and said, what are you doing to me? He says, what? He's a great driver. He says, no, I don't understand. I don't understand. I need him to show, when I, we get there, I've never been to that city before. I need him to show me where things are. I need him to show me how to get there, what, what to, what, which, where to set up shop. I have so many, I many questions. What I, I can't use him. Says the, says the, the head of the company, don't worry. He'll take you to the exact spot that you need to be. When he stops, you'll know that's your spot. You don't need to ask any more questions. Eliezer, Evet Avraham, okay, amazing. But you know what was even greater? Then, at the spot that he had to be in, he said a prayer, and he sees the words coming true. You know what he sees that HaKadosh Baruch Hu always does? He sends the Jew to the exact, maybe it wasn't Evid Avraham, he sends the person to the exact spot that he needs to be in. It's deeper than just, Hashem sent him there and he felt it. And that's what each person has to feel. We mentioned a few months ago, the line from uh, Rev. Reisman, a Jew is never stuck. A Jew is sent. Sometimes we think we lost, we missed a flight, so we're stuck. A Jew is sent. We're sitting in traffic, right? Wherever we with something, we got stuck. We didn't get stuck. We got sent, and we're there for a reason. And that's what Eliezer Evad Avraham recognized. He recognized that he was sent exactly here. And why did it stop here? 
to give him the message that Rivka was coming right now. Let us all try to recognize throughout our lives that we are sent in many different situations and we should try to capitalize on all of those situations.